I want you to open your Bible this morning to the first chapter of the book of Revelation. That'll be the second scripture I'll come to. You'll notice that on the table in front of me, we are prepared to serve communion this morning. We're to remember Jesus Christ's death until he returns. You know, anytime you come to the Lord's table, we remember the sacrificial, substitutionary, voluntary death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. We also rejoice in his glorious resurrection because he told the disciples to keep observing this supper until he came back. Well, if he was going to come back, then he had to be raised from the dead. So this memorial supper, we celebrate his death, his resurrection, and his return. In 1 Corinthians 11, let me just just read the account of it from, from the Apostle Paul. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he, and broke it, he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This, as oft as you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I had a message all prepared for today, but I couldn't seem to get it finished. Then at 9 o'clock last night, the Lord said, that's not what I want you to do anyway. I said, you could have told me earlier, Lord, I wouldn't have mind. <laughs> but you know, it just came on me that we got so many things going on around us in this world. And I, I'm going to say this is a critical time. It is a time in history which I believe from here on, regardless of the Supreme Court decision, it's going to ever, never going to be the same. Because there's going to be a constant battle between darkness and light, more intense than it's ever been in my lifetime, between good and evil, between right and wrong. And see, the only power against evil and sin and wickedness is a church that is alive, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is in the world but not of the world who lives a righteous and holy life through Christ in them. And so the only light that's going to be shining is going to be the body of Christ. The only thing to stop the moral decay is going to be the body of Christ. And that's why I'm absolutely convinced that we will see God raise up his church, the true believers. I used to say the remnant. The remnant is the church. Now, in third, third world countries all over the world, it means something when you say you're a Christian. It could cost you your life. It most likely would cost you for your home to be burned. Persecution against Christians 
is greater in the world than it has ever been. It is becoming increasingly present in the American culture. If I had time, I'd just give you examples of how Christians are being persecuted. Their rights removed because they refuse to compromise in the name of Jesus. But the Lord said to me, listen, you don't need to focus just on what's around you. You need to put your focus on Jesus Christ. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. You need to remember who he is. Hallelujah. You need to remember what he's going to do. And so I got so excited, I just had a spell, and I said, I'm exactly going to do that. So turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, and we're just going to look at the exalted Christ. Man, if this doesn't encourage you, your encourager is out of order, I'm telling you. This is, I love this. I just got to reading in Revelation chapter 1, and man, I, I just began to focus on who Jesus is and what it says about him. And man, my heart just rose. But you know, the Bible says uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And it says to look unto the author and the finisher of our faith. So we're just going to look unto Jesus. And you know, we notice in, in Revelation chapter 1, and this sounds kind of funny, but I, I, I don't know other way to say it. It kind of gives us a brief biographical sketch of Jesus. Jesus, would you send me a biographical sketch? Well, you know what John does right here? He said, let, let me just give you a little glimpse of who he is. Let me give you a little glimpse. And he begins in verse 4 with a, a word from the Father and a word from Jesus. It says, John to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come. That's Yahweh. He says, grace and peace from him who is and was and is to come. Then go down to verse 5. And from Jesus Christ. He said, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ. And then he starts describing Jesus. He said, let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the faithful witness. You know today, you know what has happened? People have created God, a God in their own image. That, 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 they don't need to do that. You ask me, Brother Fred, what is God like? I said, yeah, you can read the Old Testament and you can get a great deal about the character and attributes of God, his holiness, his righteousness, his judgment, his justice, his grace, his mercy. But I said, now you really want to know what God is like? Then, the, then, then you just got to look at Jesus. You read everything you can about Jesus. You studied the life of Jesus. You know what? Uh, Philip asked him, now, Jesus, you've been, John 14, you've been with us a long time. But would you show us the Father? Jesus looked at Philip. Said, Philip, have I been with you so long? And you don't know? If you have seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? You look at me, Philip. Look at the way I walk. Look at the way I live. Look at the things I do. Look at the way I respond to people. He that has seen me has seen the Father. You know, everybody's creating gods in their own image, little g. Hey, you, you know what Jesus said? It's over in John. You know what it says? No man has seen God at any time. Look at this. But the only begotten 
who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Who is Jesus? What is the Father like? Jesus is the perfect revelation of God the Father. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the express image of the invisible God, the likeness of his glory. So Jesus, let me tell you who he is. He is the faithful witness. I know what my heavenly father is like because I have seen him operate on this earth and he operated on this earth in Jesus Christ. And the word who was Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father. Well, he's a faithful witness. And look at uh, he's the next part of verse 5. He's the firstborn from the dead. Hey, you know who Jesus is? He's the resurrection and the life. I got good news to you. Death is not the end for a child of God. The grave is not the end. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who lives and believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me, will never die. Because of who Jesus is, death has lost its sting and the grave has lost its victory. Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. Well, now what about this? Somebody needs to send some telegram to the rulers of the earth. It says here, and he's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Well, what about that? Somebody sent Obama a telegram and tell him that Jesus is king over the rulers of the earth. No, I want you to send one to that. I'm not going to say an ugly name. I want you to send it to the ruler of North Korea and say, I got news for you. I I don't want to upset you, but Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And I want to tell you one day, every king that's ever lived is going to bow at the feet of the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of all the earth. We're not, we're, not, we're not serving a meek, powerless king. We are serving one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And every ruler and every king of the earth will answer him to the, to the Son of God. Their knee will bow and their tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. You read on. It says, boy, I love this. To him who loved us. He just talked about the exalted Christ. He said, but don't you know something? He loves you. He loves you. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die? for me. Oh, this greatly, highly exalted son of God, ruler of the kings of the earth, he loved you. He went to the cross for you. He shed his blood for you. And if you will come to Jesus in repentance of sin and faith in him, he'll wash you from your sins with his own blood. Oh, what a savior. You see, it's just like John in Revelation, it's just given us a, a, a picture of who Jesus is. And then he goes on and says he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Look at verse 6. He made us kings. What? He made us. You know who us is? Us. 
He made us kings and priests to God his Father. You know, if you're saved and the devil comes to you and says, you know, you're not anything. You're just a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. God will never use you. you, you you're a second-class Christian. You, you say, time out. And you, re- you turn him over to Revelation chapter 1 and say, let me tell you, you liar. I am a king and I'm a priest. Woo. I don't feel like it. I don't care whether you feel like it or not. That's what it says. He made us kings and priests to God our Father and to him, now to him, Jesus, be glory and dominion forever and ever. I want you to think about Jesus. He never traveled over 100 miles from his home. He never held a public office. He never had his own home, a place where he could lay his head. He basically had very few, ever had very few material things. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. But the Son of God has no place to lay his head. Never wrote a book. Never went to college. But you know, I want you to think about him. All the kings that have ever reigned and all the parliaments that have ever met and all the armies and navies that have ever sailed has not affected the life of man on earth like the solitary life of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. You know he divided history. Wonder what all those atheists and agnostics do when history is is divided between B.C. and A.D., before Christ and A.D. in the year of our Lord. What are they going to do about that? They can't change that. What year is it? It's 2015 A.D. Hey, it's 2015 A.D. What do you mean? 2015 in the year of our Lord. Hallelujah. That's exactly what that year it is. Some of us were born in B.C. (laughs) And then let me tell you what he says. He kind of gives this biographical. He just, let me just show you Jesus. Just let me show you Jesus. Then he says, but I want to remind you. He's coming back. I want you to look at verse 7. Folks, I ain't read but four verses, and I'm having a spell up here. I'm telling you, it's unreal. Look what it says. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Hey, it may be sooner than you think. Soon and very soon, we, it may, we may see the king. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. Even those who pierced him and all of the tribes of the earth shall mourn because of him. This living Christ, this perfect example, perfect manifestation of the invisible God, the Father. He is coming back and every eye is going to see him. And he is going to rule and he is going to reign. Now listen to what Jesus said in verse 8. See, I mean, you can get your mind on, on the, uh, the sexual revolution in America where it's America is becoming an amoral society. It is so ungodly. It's just amoral, and there are no moral absolutes. And you can look at all the junk that's going on in the liberal media and in the tyrannical court system. No, I'm tired of that. 
I mean, I'm going to take a stand. We're going to preach against it. But I tell you what we need to do. We need to tell the world Jesus has the final word. I want you to know he has the final word, y'all. I'm not going to go moping around and being discouraged and afraid because I'm telling you Jesus has got the final word. He said he did. Look at the next verse. Verse 8, I'm the alpha. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet in case you didn't know that. That means he's the beginning. I'm the alpha and the omega. That's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He said, I'm the, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. What a description of Jesus. He said, it all begins with me, and one day it's going to all wind up with me. He said, I'm the beginning and the end. And I, he, he says, he is and was and is to come the Almighty. What a revelation of the Son of God. What a beautiful picture. He says it again. Look over in verse 11. Jesus said, let me just tell you, be in, you be encouraged. It all began with me, and it's all going to wind up with me. He said, I'm going to have the final word. No ruler, no nation, no group is going to have the final word. He said, I am. We read in verse 11, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He said, listen, don't get all bent out of shape. I'm, I'm, I'm not in heaven wringing my hands, saying, what in the world are we going to do? What's going, what are we going to do? It's a mess down there, Lord, Father. Huh. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. And then you know, John had a vision of him. And I want you just to look at this vision he had of Jesus. Man, you're talking about an awesome vision. Now, this is, you know, he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. What a picture of meekness and humility. And just come into this world, he laid aside his deity, took upon himself humanity, and he came and was born in a, in, in a stable. What a picture of humility. But that's not the Jesus I see in the first chapter of, of Revelation. L look look at, at verse 12 now. And look at this description of Jesus. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the seven lampstands, there was one like the Son of Man, Jesus, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garments down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Listen to what it says. His feet, his head and hair were white like wool. As white as snow, get this, his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was the sun, like the sun shining in its strength. What a picture of Jesus. Woo. And you know what John said? When I saw him, I felt down like I was a dead man. Look at verse 17. And when I saw him in his majesty, in his glory, in his resurrected power, 
in his awesome holy. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand to me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen? (laughs) That's what it says there in the Bible. And I have the keys of death and hell. I'm glad I know the one who has the keys of death. And I'm glad the walling, we're following the one who has the keys of death and hell. You know, Jesus, I'm telling you, he's going to have the final word. Now, what does that say to us? We've got to be faithful. We, we've got to be surrendered. We've got to be yielded. We've got to be quick to repent. We've got to allow him to be Lord of our life in absolute control. We have to realize that without him, we are nothing. But in him, we are complete. Without him, we can do nothing. But through him, we can do all things. We've got to realize that it is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. But I want you to understand, in these critical days, we pray and we stand and we speak and we shine and we're salty, but we forever are lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about them. It's all about the Son of God. And if Jesus is lifted up, he draws all men unto him. If there's ever been a time where we say, let me tell you one thing. You can say what you want to say, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is alive, and Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is the first and the last. He has the keys of death and hell, and I want you to know one day you're going to bow before him, and you're going to call him Lord, whether you like it or not. You say, Brother Fred, that's strong, and that's what the Bible says. Well, he just goes on in describing Jesus, John does, and and then he says, we're going over to chapter um, 4. You know, I, I just, I've just been do, reading all this in one chapter. My heaven, a days. All that about Jesus in one chapter. Well, turn over to um, um, Revelation 4.8. And uh, we see heaven worshiping King Jesus. John has declared to us who he is. His mighty power, that he's never changed, that he's coming again. And we're to keep our eyes on him. He has the keys of death and hell. And so we can just trust him. We know all the rulers of the kings of the earth are going to bow before him. But then he goes back and says, but you, you just need to worship him. I love in Revelation 4, 8. Here, the, the four living creatures, they're worshiping. Jehovah, Yahweh, they're worshiping the Father. Look down in verse 8 of Revelation 4. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and and within, and they do not rest day and night. Sounds like the same creatures that were there with um, Isaiah in the temple in Isaiah 6. So these four living creatures are not sleeping day and night, and this is what they're saying. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Aren't you glad there's no panic in heaven? (laughs) 
the four living creatures and say, what in the world are we going to do if things are going bad on earth? Ah, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures, verse 9, gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, then the four and 20, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne. Wow. They just fell down before him, Yahweh, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, this is what they said about him, Yahweh, you're worthy, O Lord. Man, they're worshiping Jehovah. They're exalting their living God who spoke this world into being, who has all power, the invisible, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present God. You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Let me tell you something. If he created it all, he could consume it all in an instant. If he spoke it into being, whatever he speaks now is a reality and will come to pass. So, they went from chapter 1 exalting the Lord Jesus and telling us who he is and that he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and he's coming back and he has the final word. It began with him and it's all going to wind up with him. And then they go over and they, they're in heaven and, and Yahweh is seated there upon the throne and they just call him holy, holy, holy. They're worshiping the almighty God. They're worshiping God. And then you go over in chapter 5. And you know what they do? They start worshiping Jesus. They start worshiping the Lamb of God. John was all upset because there was a scroll and nobody could open the scroll. You know, that was the judgments that were going to come on the earth. And he couldn't, he couldn't find anybody. And, and, they, and, he, and he saw the Lamb in the midst of the throne. And, uh, and, and the Lamb, verse 7, took the scroll. And look at verse 8. This is now, it starts talking about Jesus and his authority, and his power. Revelation 5, 8. When he had taken the scroll, which would be opened, and it was re revelation of the final judgments of God on the earth, and the final consummation of history when Satan is cast into the bottomless pit, and it's over. And the God's children will reign with him in heaven forever and ever. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Before the Lamb. You see, it's all about redemption. It's all about the blood of Christ. It's all about being saved. What did John say? Behold the one who has come to reveal the Father. Behold the one who one day will have all authority in heaven and on earth. Behold the one who's going to make the blind to see and the lame to walk. That's not what John said. The first announcement he ever made about Jesus was, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in heaven, everybody's looking at the Lamb. Because you know why? They wouldn't be there. If it wasn't for the Lamb, <laughs> you wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the Lamb. Oh, 
You've got to understand, if the Lamb of God had not come and bore our sins in his body on that tree, we would have never been there. So they're worshiping the Lamb. And then it says, and they fell down before the Lamb having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And oh, I love this. Woo. They start singing to Jesus. They start singing to him. Don't you love that? Just singing to the Lord. And they sang a new song saying, Jesus, you're worthy to take the scroll. You're worthy to open its seals. For you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And he says it again. And you made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. He's talking about during the millennium. And then I looked in verse 11 and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. Now look at this crowd. I heard the voice of many angels, verse 11, around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I don't know how many that is, but it's a lot. Saying with a loud voice, "Uh uh-oh, my brother Fred, they got excited. (laughs) I reckon so. You're not going to say in heaven, praise Jesus. Now, if that's the way you do it now, that's fine. I'm not making fun of you. You just worship God the way you worship God. But in heaven, I'm just telling you, it's going to be loud. For some of us who are older, thank God, we'll be able to hear. I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) No, we'll have perfect hearing in heaven. Saying with a loud voice. This is what they're going to be saying. They ain't going to talk about his miracles. They're going to talk about who he is and what he did. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You see, if he hadn't died, we wouldn't be there. If he hadn't gone to the cross, we wouldn't be there. If he hadn't shed his blood, we wouldn't be there. But because he did, we're there. Hallelujah. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, Jesus, you're worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength and honor and glory and blessing. Listen to this, man. We're in this crowd. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that in them, I heard saying, well, this is one of my favorite verses. Listen to it. Blessing and honor, glory and power to to him who sits on the throne, Jehovah, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Would you say that with me? Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then look what happened. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. Woo! And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. They say, what in the world, what in the, what is this world coming to? Have you heard that? You're asking the wrong question. 
who is coming to this world. You think about that. What is this world coming to? I, I know what it's coming to. It's just going, going to hell unless Jesus intervenes in the church move. But it's not what this world's coming to. It's who's coming to the world. And his name is Jesus. And they worshiped him who lives forever and ever. But here's the last picture I want to show you of him. You got to see this one. And I'm just, I've just gone to, through two cha- three chapters Man, we could spend a time talking about Jesus, couldn't we? Revelation 19, verse 11. Don't ask me to get into all the uh, end-of-time things about this, the eschatological implication, eschatological implications. Eschatology is the doctrine of the last things, and I'm no authority. I just know that Jesus is coming, amen, and he's coming in power and glory, and you better be ready when he comes, okay? But I like this. Verse 11. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and weighs war. I know it's Jesus because they said in chapter 1. His eyes like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except him. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should judge the tribes, should strike the nations. He himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself himself shall tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has a robe on his thigh and a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. 